Welcome to an episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to thank everyone who participated and uh, supported the Bench Talk fire relief exhibition we had. Uh, we managed to raise $40,000 for the fire relief, and um, it was a massive effort, like completely uh, went beyond our expectations. And I um, just want to say thanks to all the, all the previous podcast guests who donated art and um, also the people who purchased. And I just wanted to say a special big thank you to Versus Gallery and Milk Bar Print. Um, without the guys there, this would never have happened. And uh, yeah, their support was just amazing. This week's episode is uh, sponsored by ironluck.com, premium art supplies made by artists for artists. Enter the code BENCHTALK at ironluck.com for 20% off your first order. This week's episode, I'm catching up with uh, Sydney-based artist Scotty Marsh. How you going, Scotty? Good, mate. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for uh, coming out and uh, taking the time to do the podcast. No, not a problem. I was in town anyway, so I thought it was a two birds, one stone situation. Exactly. Well, I'm in Sydney next week, so I was going to track you down anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll start a podcast. You can come in. <laughs> First guest. Um, so what brings you to Melbourne? Uh, I was here for the, what is it, Can't Do Tomorrow? Yeah, uh, I was just doing a panel discussion there about politics and art, basically. So yeah, it was good. I think they got the right guy for the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to that yesterday. How um, I noticed that you you were wearing a balaclava during the uh, during the talk. How did you feel sort of being on stage in a belly? Uh, well, now I've done it a few times, but in the beginning it was super awkward and and a bit uncomfortable. But now it's probably the fourth or fifth time I've done like a speaking thing or an event where I've done it, and now it's you just feel like you're in the yard. It's fucking super comfy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny because I hadn't actually, um, we met briefly a couple of years ago, but I couldn't rem- remember your face that well. Yeah. And I saw you with the balaclava and I thought, I'll just find you afterwards. And I had to sort of really scope the crowd <laughs> to work out which one you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw also on, um, I was flicking through your Instagram earlier and you had, um, you won an award for GQ magazine. Yeah. And you had a balaclava on for that as well. Yeah, that was like the first time I was like, all right, well, I can either not go to this awards thing and get the award or I, I just need to work around because I don't want my face in media or anything like that. So, um, yeah, so that was the first time I, I ran the belly. Although that was like a wool, like a hotter belly and I was definitely regretting it yeah. <laughs> about half and away through the awards night. I was sweating bullets. <laughs> you need something a bit... Uh a bit more airy, maybe a stocking. Yeah, well, this one I got now, I got it from Stockholm and it's like super, super airy. Yeah, it was real comfy. It's more comfy than no belly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, what's your main reason behind not wanting your face out there? Well, like, my background's in graffiti, graffiti. Um, and I think once my face is out there, it's super uncomfortable. I think you used to paint graffiti. Mm-hmm. I, I I think for a lot of graffiti writers, it's super uncomfortable having your face in the public domain just because you're so used to kind of keeping that private and that's definitely something for me. Um, and I think if my face is out there, that really does just put a book stop and close the door on graffiti for me and mm. I really don't want to do that and hold out as long as I can. Yeah. And as well, like with the work I create, there's a lot of power and not in people not knowing who I am. I can get away with a lot more and be a bit more cheeky, so... Yeah, I, basically I wrote a list of the pros and cons of having your face out and, and not. Um, when I was kind of deciding whether I'd show my face and stuff and the list of no like reasons not to have my face out was like a mile long and then the the list to have it out was just convenience and there wasn't really any other anything else to go with it. So yeah. that's what I stuck with. Yeah, I remember uh, making the decision <coughs> myself to put my face out there. Yeah, and it and it wasn't a decision that came lightly for me. Yeah, like and I, I don't know. I I decided to stop painting graffiti, and I just turned forty as well. And I yeah. thought, really, in your forties, should you be out painting graph? I don't yeah. know. I guess there's no age I'd to win. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but the funny thing is, I started putting my face out there, and then um, and I just kept on painting. Yeah, as well. Like I'm not as like blatant about it anymore. Like I. Uh, I find if I'm painting something like that I am worried about getting busted I just change it up in one way or another yeah and um, 
but yeah, I don't know. It's you don't really want to stop being young. It's sort of like a uh, Peter Pan activity, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the and as you continue to get older, if you continue doing it, it's just I don't know. Like I, I'd have a a big day out with some mates or a night or whatever. Yeah. And then just I don't know for days after that, I just feel so happy and like. Like I'm being true to myself and doing and and not letting like age or anything like or career or anything dictate um, why I can and cannot have fun. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. For, I always say graffiti is good for the soul. It so, is. Um, these days I'm not you know super active like I used to be, but when I am painting, it's more to scratch an itch and kind of manage the addiction than it is anything else. Um, because I'm so busy with all the art stuff and everything else in life, I don't have the time to put it put you know 100% into graffiti anymore but I still want to you know dabble from time to time <laughs> yeah I think it'll always be there I think even now like um you know with this can't do tomorrow uh yeah you know um festival that's on seeing a lot of the old graffiti writers come out to paint the freight train for that it was really um interesting because they you know they've got so much passion for it and you could tell they've been absent from their life but yeah they've been invited back to do do something and it fired up a lot of people you know and you can tell it's, um, you know, it's like you push something down, just suppress it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. natural fact, you, you love it. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. anyone should live life like that. Yeah, for sure. Like, I have, a, I have a good friend from overseas who's been living in Australia for a couple of years, and um, he was super prolific where he's from, um, painting graffiti. And when he moved here, it was kind of a bit of a crossroads where he's like, I need to get my life together, and it's a fresh start, so... He kind of stopped painting and then we took him out for something um, one time after he hadn't painted for like six months to a year or something like that and he was just working all the time and I think life was beating him down a bit and on the drive back to um, his place he's like oh man I'm so happy man like he couldn't get the smile <laughs> off his face you know <laughs> and yeah. yeah that's what it is I think it's once it's in your blood graffiti I think it's something you've just got to at least dabble in yeah so can you tell tell me a bit about like where you're from and um and how you got into art? Um, so I'm from Sydney, born and raised in Sydney. I lived in Brisbane for about a year, but other than that, I've always been in Sydney. Um, you know, I think it's pretty cliche. You know, art was the thing that I was good at in school, um, so it was always the thing I was getting pat patted on the back for. So kind of continued doing it that way. But I guess when I left school. I completely disengaged with art because I wasn't going to art classes or whatever, but graffiti is what kept me creatively engaged. And so, you know, you're painting all the time, you're picking colour schemes all the time, um, you're learning skills, and that kind of kept me in it until 2010 was kind of when I started going in a bit of an art direction. Um, I was living in a place in Brisbane with Soffels, um, Finton McGee, and Guido Van Helton, he wasn't living in there, but he was always around. And we all went from kind of really painting graffiti and trains and everything and started all together, I guess, going on a bit of a different journey um, and being able to watch them do their thing. And I think vice versa, it's worked. We've all like, I guess, edged each other on. And yeah, that's kind of the path, I guess. Yeah. That, uh, that household's popped up in a few interviews on here. Yeah, yeah. And I interviewed um, Finton and also with Selena Miles. Man, it was a good time. It was like that year in Brisbane was one of the most fun years of my life because I'd just been on a huge interrail painting around Europe and I'd met heaps of guys from Brisbane and when I came back, I wasn't studying, I didn't have a job. All I was doing was painting graffiti and stealing groceries. <laughs> and then I went down to Brisbane just to see everyone and they had a room for like 50 bucks a week or something. At that house, I was like, yep, moving to Brisbane and didn't have a job, just painting graffiti, getting a bit of Centrelink and living the dream. Yeah, <laughs> it's <definitely>. awesome. <laughs> so you've got a pretty pretty solid art style now. Like, you're, yeah. you're, I, well, I personally find that your art's very identifiable. Um, did you find it uh, hard in the beginning to develop an identifiable style? Uh, yeah, it was mucking around with a, a lot of things, I guess, and it's like evolved. It just started off as me doing aerosol kind of colorful portraits and stuff and then adding a little bit of brushwork just in areas that it was too hard to use aerosol just because of size and things like that. And then more and more brushes come in and then I studied um, art at Kofra in Sydney in fine arts and just some of the 
things I learned in that in terms of layering and underpainting and things like that I started to bring into I guess aerosol work and and that kind of graffiti style to kind of marry the two together I guess hmm. and what what was the uh, subject matter you were painting in the beginning because I noticed like if I if you scroll right back to you know early in your Instagram there's like lots of like rappers and things like that yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't really know what I wanted to paint I was just painting you know images I found on the internet or I guess the first body of work that I painted was um, train fronts so it was like using that trippy style that I kind of paint in and just painting the fronts of trains and generally they were trains that had although I didn't really explicitly say it in the works because I was doing painting a lot of graffiti I didn't want to kind of incriminate myself then but um, they were like trains that I'd painted or there was a story or something or they're in a spot that um, you know had some graffiti connection or some kind of interaction for me so yeah I did like a whole series of train fronts and bolt cutters and like different bits of graffiti paraphernalia yeah does any of that stuff still pop up in your art I know the bolt cutters do here and there yeah bodies still do yeah well, like I still especially with the floral works I do there's a lot of kind of graffiti imagery in those and that's kind of the part the thing about the floral works is I'm just trying to find a visual language so I can paint paintings about graffiti but then have a non-graffiti audience be able to appreciate them so you can kind of open that dialogue a little bit mm. um, and with the train fronts you know graffiti writers love it but people who aren't familiar with graffiti like oh train what are you a, a train nerd <laughs> yeah the people still ask me for them but I think I've kind of that's the end of train fronts for me yeah but I think it's good to have a story behind your art though you know rather than just painting a random image that like oh I like that image you know <coughs> at least as you said you've you've painted those trains and they're the the front of the train so yeah, there's yeah. a story for you there's a, a connection there whereas um i don't know like in the beginning i, I was just looking for random images as well and yeah. you know, it was only once i started drawing my surroundings that i i realized over time it was telling the story of my life through yeah through images yeah. i think in the start as well you haven't developed a style and you're still trying to actually figure out how to paint mm. so it doesn't looking back it doesn't really matter what you're painting as long as you're painting something yeah I think that was the process I was going through, especially with those early, early portraits. Yeah. Yeah, nothing beats uh, putting, the, <coughs> putting the hours in to get as far as, like, development and getting better. Yeah. yeah. Well, and as well, they were kind of like doing a piece for me because it was the same process of just picking, like, a rough colour scheme and a few bits and bobs mm. and then just have, like, all right, blues and oranges and greens and then you start the portrait like that and then you riff off that base, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you find the way you approach your paintings now do you approach in the same way as you would a piece or is it a completely different process uh like the colorful if i'm painting like colorful portraits which i still do a fair bit because i've i've got this like ongoing commission thing with a, a real estate company where I, I paint a lot of their fit outs an old school mate he he runs it and um when they fit out like a new place to get let i'll paint a portrait in there as part of the fit out um and they're generally just like iconic people a lot of color something that's you know good for the tenancy um so i still paint a lot of those um and i still approach those just like a piece but the other works not so much yeah, yeah. like you've uh, you've made quite a name for yourself from painting a lot of murals around sydney especially controversial murals as well mm. um was the first one you did the the kanye kissing kanye one yeah that was like the first piece that got heaps of attention that i did so i guess it was like a breakthrough breakthrough yeah. thing which was pretty crazy um and i to be honest i owe lush from melbourne like a debt of gratitude forever for that because i knew him through graffiti and he was coming down to sydney um he needed a place to crash and needed a wall to paint like another one of those big kim kardashians mm. and i'm like yeah yeah i got a wall so he painted kim kardashian i painted like a floral work at the other end and there was like a vacant space in the middle of the wall and he was just like paint something with kanye you know paint something with kanye it'll go with the kim thing and i was like oh yeah all right so we just found that image and then i just painted it and then it just went bonkers after that so hmm. so a little bit of luck right place right time a little bit of i guess guidance from him yeah and did that like really kick things off for you as far as like going, all right now i want to continue to paint controversial imagery or um i don't know not really but it just got me thinking out of like a, a lane like you look at who's successful artists i guess in sydney and new south wales it's quite a conservative art scene i think in terms of galleries and stuff like that and so i was trying to take my background in graffiti and somehow like build a path through this thing that's so fucking opposite to what 
I'm about and my personality and everything. So I guess I just open my mind a little bit more and just say, oh, you can paint whatever the fuck you want. You don't have to worry about fitting in this kind of laneway that it looks like everyone successful is doing. Hmm. So yeah, it was super valuable in that sense. Like I, I still paint a little bit of pop culture stuff and meme stuff, but uh, I think the, the political stuff, I don't think really falls in that category, even though it gets like lots of attention, I suppose. Hmm. So what, what category do you find the political stuff sitting in? Political satire. Like I think it's social commentary and political satire. I think it's, for me, it's, I see a lot of parallels with just like the guys who draw comic books in the newspaper. It's just like a, on a grander scale and in a public space rather than you having to pick up a paper and look at it real small. It's, it's in your face and it's in the street. So Yeah. What's, um, what's been some of your favorite ones of them you've done? Oh, I don't know. It's, I got to have a think. Actually, I'll scroll through my... Oh, my I, I know my favorite one is uh, uh, Richard Di Natale. Is that his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he's like chilling out, smoking yeah. the bomb. With, <laughs> yeah. Man, I just saw that and it's like, gee, you nailed it with barbecue shapes, Tim Tam, yeah, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, I spent a lot of time around stoners as a graffiti writer. Yeah. So I, and I the knew. posters on the wall as well. <laughs> Yeah, Cypress Hill actually reposted on their Instagram, which was fucking super cool to have them reposted. But yeah, that was super funny. Um, I actually painted him for the Archibald, that Archibald Prize earlier that year. Um, and I, I sent him a message going, hey, just a heads up, I'm painting a mural of you. He's like, yeah, sick. Yeah. <laughs> but he was super, he thought it was super funny. So he wasn't offended or anything. But um, I don't know, like, the, I suppose there's two that stand out in my mind. Um, just because a lot of people, you know, people slide in your DMs and tell you what a man cunt you are and <laughs> you ch- they think you're changing the world with the art where, you know, I'm a bit skeptical about that. But there are two murals for me that really felt like they had a bit of an impact. Um, and the first one would be the George Michael mural in Erskineville, which ended up getting destroyed. Um, but hopefully I'll be repainting it this year. But um, just like the outpouring of emotion from that community locally and globally from his fans and stuff like that was pretty crazy when it got one it got painted and two when it got uh painted over like people were going there and leaving like little shrines and Mm. full written letters and candles and all kinds of that stuff like that and i'm always getting messages like when are you repainting it you have to repaint it and Mm. blah blah blah. what's the what's the story behind that wall um it's kind of weird so that wall is like right on the train line and I got a, a message from the guy who lives there um, and he's like hey I've got this I've got this massive wall on the train line and people always ask me to paint it but I want you know I don't want just anyone to paint it I like your work so if you want to paint it I don't have your money but it's there <clears throat> and I already knew the second he said the wall and kind of roughly where it was I knew which wall it was because everything else there has pieces and stuff on it this one's just always gets painted over um, so originally I was actually going to paint like a Pauline Hanson mural on it, <laughs> which is you couldn't get further away from George Michael. Um, and then basically George passed away. Um, the two guys that lived there, two gay guys, they were friends with George and they're musicians as well. Um, and you know, they were shattered. Um, and they just called me up and go, can you please paint a tribute to George? And so I had a bit of a think about it and went over there. We had a few beers and, and threw around some ideas. And in the end, it was kind of him as the patron saint of the gays. And so that's where it came from originally. And then it was there for like a full year or a year and a half. It had been on a, there was like a float in the Mardi Gras dedicated with a big image of the mural. Um, it was in like kind of global press when it was painted. So it wasn't like it was a secret hidden away. Um, and then during the same-sex plebiscite, it started getting attacked. You know, people would write homophobic stuff on it, throw eggs at it. Um, and then at the end of the plebiscite, I painted another mural close by of George Pell. Uh, all the premise for it was Tony Abbott on his hen's night. Um, and then he had George Pell as the mouse tripper. Um, and that got destroyed straight away. And, you know, certain parts of the community that didn't want the plebiscite to go ahead, uh, cooked it basically and then they destroyed that mural and then they went down the road and just started attacking the George Michael mural. I think it got, they had like three or four cracks at it before it finally got completely painted over with just people going there and throwing buckets of paint and then residents would wash it off before it dried and stuff like that. So it was pretty, it was pretty intense. 
Gee, yeah, it was like a sustained week of attacks on this fucking meal. <laughs> the guys who live there are the biggest chillers ever. Yeah. And they were just like stressing out. Like they, I think they moved out of Sydney for a while just because the amount of threats and bullshit. Like I had some guys trying to find my studio and set up like fake meetings to buy paintings. It was pretty red hot. It's, pretty, it's, it's interesting because if you think about it, you've got... um. Like, there's positive paintings and negative paintings, you know. So, this was, like, yeah. a positive painting. Whereas yeah. some of your other paintings have been a bit more of a negative. Slant, yeah. You know, say like, atta- attacking politicians yeah. and things like that. Whereas this one was had a positive slant and yeah. you get you, you get attacked over it. But then you have, like, a more negative one attacking a politician and everyone's patting you on the back and telling you you're a hero. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just well, funny. I, I so, said, I'm like, it's the least controversial mural I've ever fucking painted. And yeah. They got so fired up about it. I think it, a lot of it was like confusion with the imagery, um, because they're all saying it's Jesus, it's Jesus. I'm like, it's not fucking Jesus, it's George Michael. Yeah. Because all the patron saints have their hands in the same format, and they're mm. all holding something from their patronage. So when we were deciding on the concept, I was like, what should he be holding in his hands? You know, you guys knew him, um, and <laughs> without like missing a beat, they're like. Amel in a joint. <laughs> just like, that's <laughs> fucking hilarious. That's definitely what it's going to be. Um, and because his name's George, obviously he's going to be St. George, but St. George is also a saint, you know. So they got fired up about a bunch of stuff saying it was blasphemous or whatever, but, you know. How many times has that saint image been reappropriated with pop stars and musicians yeah. and fucking people? So I think just the emotion around the plebiscite... Uh, and, you know, taking the big L, they wanted to lash out at something and that was like a big symbol that they could go and, and attack and take their, you know, poison out on. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. It's crazy how fired up the public get over, over art, you know. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you can put billboards and everything everywhere, <coughs> not much, you know, oh, yeah. people just accept it. Whereas if it's something that's like, um, you know, hasn't gone through corporate Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's just, <coughs> it's it is interesting crazy. for sure. Um, and then to get back to your question, the second mural that I think actually had an impact was the recent one of ScoMo, the Merry Crisis mural. Mm. So it was him on his Hawaiian vacation. And so through that ended up raising like 140 grand or something, which donated directly to fire brigades around Australia. So I got to like, you know, it took like four days on the phones trying to contact a lot of these guys because one, they're really small community brigades. So they don't have like a Facebook presence. Um, and two, they're fucking busy fighting fires. Yeah. <laughs> like one, some of the brigades you call, like the captain, he's like, yeah, and you can just hear so much going on in the background. He's like, yeah, just kind of busy right now, mate. I'll fucking give you a call back. He's like, yeah, whenever you're ready, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was good to be able to have conversations with those guys and hear their stories as well as, you know, giving them some money and people have just rallied around that mural still. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Mate, congratulations on raising so much money. Yeah, it was pretty last minute. It, yeah. it, I was, I, I got a friend, I'll six, um, a pre- t-shirt printer in, in the inner West in Sydney. I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this t-shirt thing. Do you want to print the t-shirts, you know, for free or whatever? Because it means more money to the charity. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. hundred percent. I was thinking in my head, like, hopefully we can raise like 10 grand, you know? Mm-hmm. And then by then it was like 28, uh, 2,800 t-shirts. He's like, man, I don't know if I can print all these t-shirts. Like, yeah. It'll put me out of business. So we actually got someone else on board. He organized everything and he's been unreal. Um, but yeah, it was a huge amount of work shipping all those orders. I'm yeah. not set up for that kind of volume. So Yeah. Um, have you have you been contacted by Consumer Affairs at all? Because I, no. I did the Bench Talk um, fundraiser and it was yeah. with like uh, you know, uh, Milk Bar Print and Versus Gallery and everything. And Versus yeah. Gallery got um, hit up by Consumer Affairs saying um, like we have to do all this paperwork and everything to prove that we're not going to run off with the cash oh really yeah well i like i was really conscious of i don't want the cash sitting in a bank account because of the stories i heard as well like a lot of these brigades are seriously underfunded and what they do get from the government isn't enough for this level of fires like some of them they're like usually we'll go to a fire front for four hours or something like that um he's like we've been at this same fire front for six weeks straight Mm. around the clock so they're you know a little paper p2 mask and one uh, fire fire suit isn't really going to cut it, so I, I wanted to get the money to them as quickly as I could, mm. and I also wanted it out of my hands so nothing could go wrong, you mm. know, because I'm not, you know, 
the best at managing heaps of money as yeah. a creative, I think. But um, so, yeah, I, I was straight on the phones just trying to get it to them as soon as I could so I didn't have those kind of issues or any stuff-ups, basically. Yeah. That um that painting, the uh, Mary Crisis painting, that, that was... Uh really popular it went all over the place i saw uh, um celeste barber did the uh did the big uh concert and had the t-shirt on yeah yeah that was yeah. fucking cool man yeah i got on the jumbotron yeah <laughs> in the stadium which is a double jumbotron which is pretty cool um yeah they, her stylist reached out to me like a few weeks before saying they might wear the shirt so i sent some but i, I didn't hear back so i wasn't sure if she was going to wear it or not um and i was watching the concert on tv and I think I was like halfway through Hilltop Hoods and I'd like passed out drinking beer and eating pizza on the couch and slept through the last bit. And I was kind of like, oh, she's not going to wear it because she hasn't worn it yet. And I woke up and, the, you know, it was over. So I just went to bed, woke up in the morning. And my phone was like, Meh, kind of melting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations. It's pretty, um, I don't know, it's just great being able to do something and then be picked up by... Uh, you know, not just people who are into art, but yeah. just mainstream as well. You know, yeah. Well, I think there's two sides of the coin. You don't want to become too mainstream, but you want it in the right air, like context. <coughs> it's uh, it's really yeah. Good, you know. Well, I'm just like with a lot of it. I'm just trying to, I guess, capture public sentiment of the time. And every now and then, you just hit the sweet spot, and I think everyone can relate to that. Like I've done a few road trips down the south coast. <clears throat> just to see some of the things that's going on with the fires and and talk to people and it's like it doesn't matter what side of politics you are or, or what your situation is especially on the, the south coast of new south wales um everyone fucking loves it and you know i got emails from fireys who are like i want a shirt i want to wear it under my fire under my fire yellows on the fire field i was like oh shit man like that kind of stuff man it, it it's, gets me pretty emotional to be honest oh good work man yeah so I see, um, I see this guy popping up on your um, Instagram all the time, Danny Lim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah who, who's that guy and what's his story? Um, fuck, he's, he's been around forever in Sydney. He's a legend. He's like this old Asian dude who wears these kind of sandwich board type signs with like politic- political messages and like, you know, love, smile, peace. It's just messages, I guess, of, po- of um, you know, positivity or whatever. And he's just dancing around, giving people hugs making people smile, getting selfies and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he's just been around forever. Like, I remember seeing him as a school kid um, when I painted a mural of him in Chippendale and people come up and, like, oh, you know, there'd be, like, a 30-year-old something person. They're like, oh, man, he used to be at the station every day when I was in year seven. Like, yeah. he's just been around forever. And he's just an absolute fucking legend. And he says, come a lot, which I like. A healthy dose of the C, of the C word, I think, is... Uh, you know, something that's unique and special to Australia. I fully endorse. Especially coming out of an old Asian guy's mouth. Oh, man, he's so fucking funny. He takes me on these, like, mandates <laughs> where he's like, you've got to come have lunch. He's got all these super deaf, uh, like, Asian food spots that he takes me to. But, like, the first time I went to his place in Burwood with him, this noodle joint, and then we are walking out, and this old um, Chinese dude's like, Danny, Danny, it's me. Uh, I can't remember what his name was, but he's like, it's me, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, who? He's like... We used to live together. He's like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, of course. Sorry, all Chinese guys look the same. <laughs> I was just like, ah. He's just super funny dude, man. Really funny. He's like, I'm true blue. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm so Aussie, all you Chinese look the same. <laughs> Coming out of this, like, super old Chinese dude is just so fucking funny. Yeah. No, he seems to have a good outlook on life. Yeah, yeah, he's a super positive dude, man. He's yeah. real funny. Him and his little dog, Smarty, who's like a 16 or 17-year-old, like, Chihuahua cross. It's just like the perfect dog for him because it just chills. <laughs> so he can just take it everywhere. Yeah. So you've also been painting a lot of uh, a lot of murals and doing various artworks on the street mm-hmm. that are interactive with the public and also social media. Yeah. Like, um, like... The one one that stands out is uh, the Dick Wings. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me about that and what um, it's about and how it started and stuff? Well, it started last year. Basically, I, I was painting the murals and I was finding it hard to get walls to paint the murals because you someone say, "Oh, I'd love you to paint a wall," and then you're like, "Yeah, I want to paint." Um, you know, George Pell getting a hand job from Tony Abbott, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, I don't know if you should paint that on my wall." So I started kind of coming up with this way of 
making paste-ups that were kind of half-hand painted and half-printed, so they still look like a mural and feel like a mural, and they still have hand-painted elements, so it's just not printing something out. Um, and then I started doing smaller paste-ups, and then I realised I could do, you know, like interactive stuff because I could just put the works around and do treasure hunting kind of things. Um, and so the first one was after Egg Boy hit Fraser Anning with an egg, uh, Easter was shortly after that, so I did like a, a Fraser Anning Easter egg hunt where you know I put a bunch of these Fraser Anning heads around. He had bunny ears on, um, and put like a little thing of Easter eggs in front. And if you got there first and chucked an egg at him, you got got a prize basically. Um, I did another one with Clive Palmer because he kept falling asleep in Parliament, where it was heads of him asleep, and then it was basically draw dicks on Clive Palmer while he sleeps through question time, and they had a bunch of sharpies stuck to the wall, and people went and drew dicks on him. Um, and then the dick wings was like the latest one, basically. But it's so much fun doing it with that because you get so much interaction with people. Um, their responses are hilarious as well. Um, and the dick wings, people just fucking love the dick wings. I love them. That's my Mona Lisa. That's <laughs> the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, it's pretty funny because you don't recognize, you don't realize what it is at first. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's been a lot of like seven year old oh, girls yeah. with their photo taken in yeah. front of it. And not well, knowing. it started. I, I went on a trip to. I was painting a commission in LA, um, and my girlfriend came over for a week, and we did like a. She loves LA, so we did like a big touristy kind of thing around LA. Um, and everywhere they got those super corny fucking selfie angel wings. Everywhere in Los Angeles, and you know, chicks doing Instagram bullshit next to stuff and. We did a walk down Melrose Avenue where they got that big pink wall and it's just like a dozen people lined up on this wall. It's just pink. Like there's nothing fancy about it doing fucking Instagram poses and then the next block there's like angel wings and then there's rainbows you stand under and it's just fucking bullshit everywhere. And I was like, fuck, wouldn't it be funny if you could just make tiny dicks in all these things so they don't realise that they're posing with a hundred dicks until they get home and look at their Instagram. I'm like, hang on a minute. And that's kind of where the idea came from, basically. So then I got back and started making, you know, dick wings. Started drawing dicks. Oh, man. At the start, because I was like, <laughs> I just my Google search history was like, black dicks, Asian dicks, <laughs> white dicks. So I was trying to make, I still might do it. I wanted to make, like, interracial dick wings that were, like, painted, like, more realistic. <laughs> so it was, like, all the dicks of the world in the dick wings. World peace dick wings. So, yeah, it was pretty rank. <laughs> It's <laughs> a lot of internet dicks in those dick wings. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got to go put some in Hosier Lane. Hopefully today or tomorrow. <clears throat> I did that last time I was in Melbourne. And it's f fucking hilarious because they put... You know, they drop like busloads of Asian tourists at the top of Hosier Lane. They walk through. And then they're all at the bottom queued up with like... They're the kids in the dick wings. Grandma's got to get a photo with the dick wings. And I think because there's a language barrier, they don't pick up on the dick wings hashtag. So they just don't pick up on the dicks and the whole family gets involved. I've seen a dude push his baby in a pram to get a selfie of the pram in the dick wings. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually made as well now doggy dick wings, like little ones. I'm going to start putting down low so people, those like doggy Instagram people can, maybe I can troll a few of those with some dick wings, which would be pretty funny. Yeah. So with these ideas, um, do you, I guess you just keep an eye out for your surroundings what yeah, I don't know. They see, just come see what's see what's pissing you off and where you want to poke fun at. Yeah, it just pops in your head in the random yeah. most random places. I yeah. drive a lot between like Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne and Sydney, um, you know, for, for work stuff, for art stuff, and I, I find it weird. It's like when I do that drive, I've done it so many times that it's like three and a half hours in I just start getting flooded with ideas it's like some weird meditation thing I just turn the music off because I'm sick of listening to music and then I'm just trying to like write things on my phone and drive because I just get heaps of ideas so heaps of them come like that basically yeah I saw um saw some recent photos online of your um exhibition at the bathers pavilion yeah in Sydney um that looked really good like how had that show come about and did you enjoy working on it uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I, I'd had like a bunch of floral works that I wanted to exhibit for a while, just sitting in the studio, or like probably three quarters of a show worth. Mm. Um, and I painted a mural um, in Mossman, which is where Bathers is, on this cafe. And then from that, they saw that, and then they just reached out to me and say, "Hey, we've got this new space. They just renovated the building. It's this old heritage building 
right on the beach at Balmoral Beach, this beautiful big white building um, with like a rooftop bar and stuff that looks over the water. It's really, really nice. Um, and they just reached out and it was perfect timing. I had most of the works already done. Um, and as well, like with those four works, they are about kind of pairing that graffiti and fine art worlds together in some kind of way. And this was a really unusual space for graffiti for sure. So I thought it, it played into that kind of contrast and juxtaposition. So it worked really well. Like the last time I exhibited the floor works was on a moving train in Sydney. So I think this was like the perfect antithesis, antithesis to that, you know, like the opposite end. Mm. I remember that exhibition, actually. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. That so, was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to tell the listeners how um, Yeah, so basically it was when I first started painting these works, like I said, they were about, I guess, marrying, taking themes from the fine art world, so the classic motif of a floral still life and pairing that with mediums and an aesthetic and imagery from graffiti uh, and building, I guess, a little bit of a bridge between those two worlds. Um, and then I had the idea to just have an exhibition on a train in Sydney. Um, I didn't want to do it like with permission, one, because they probably wouldn't let me anyway, but two, because I've been, I was painting trains for so long, I have a pretty intimate knowledge of the rail network and I was pretty sure I could get away with it. <clears throat> and that was what made it fun for me because it was like organizing a panel mission or something, like checking all the timetables, checking the service the week before to make sure not too many people, um, etc so uh, basically we got on way up the line in the southwest and and you know with screwed uh, drills took out all the handrails installed all the paintings like hung them in the train put price lists up we had champagne like we put speakers in the train it was like a gallery um, and then uh, told everyone that the exhibition was at this abandoned space next to central station and when they arrived, I had someone there as well as big posters saying, you know, hit this QR code, I think it was. And it went to a link with the, where the train was coming and the full, what was actually happening, just because I knew if I announced it, I'd probably have Vandal Squad or someone come and try and fuck with it or shut it down. <clears throat> so I wasn't really sure if anyone was going to come or how it was going to work or if the, because we had set the exhibition up and we still had like at least half a dozen to a dozen stations before we actually got <laughs> people on the train. So it was a pretty anxious wait, hoping that no tickets or someone got on and goes, what the fuck's going on here kind of thing. Mm. But um, yeah, it worked. We got to Central and there was a fuckload of people there and the train was absolutely packed. And I think it did a big loop of City Circle and then everyone got off basically. But it was super funny. It was like a homeless dude upstairs with like a big soft drink bottle of wine who was like yelling at people because there's so many people on the train he's like why are you fucking doing on the train and like <laughs> some cops tried to get on at uh, St. James I think it was but the train was so packed that they'd just go ah oh, whatever I'll get on the next one <laughs> which was pretty funny as well um, and it was during Vivid which is like the lights festival they have um, and when we set it up we just had Vivid lanyards and go, hey, we're setting up something for Vivid. Can everyone go to the next carriage? And they're like, oh, yeah, cool, Vivid, yeah. I think in Sydney, you can get away with anything at, as long as you've got a Vivid lanyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old in, invisible cloak like the uh, high-vis. Yeah, I think a Vivid lanyard might even be better than a high-vis. Or if you've got a high-vis and a Vivid lanyard, you're on God mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it's actually you. the first time I did the Dick Wings was uh, at Vivid. So I did like, it's like a lights festival. Mm. So I made them with high-vis paint, so, and then I color-matched the high-vis paint to the outline, which was not high-vis paint. So you couldn't tell they were dick wings. Um, and then I had a blue light that I went there earlier in the day. I found a spot at Circular Quay with a PowerPoint that was on a PowerPoint because I had PowerPoints everywhere for the festival. Um, I basically installed this blue light on this construction hoarding and then went there later in the night when Vivid was on and installed the wings. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, angel wings. And then you flick the blue light and they become dicks. Yeah. <laughs> and the security clicked onto it almost straight away, but they couldn't take it down because there was a line. Like, a, I had to line up 20 minutes to get a photo with my own dick wings. <laughs> but there was, like, a line of people that were, like, taking selfies just one after another. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> the birth of the dick wings. Yeah. So do you enjoy uh, doing exhibitions or is your main focus on doing works on the street? Uh, yeah, for different reasons. Um, I want to... 
it's just been hard getting exhibitions together because I'm working on the street a lot and I've also got like a lot of commission stuff and things like that where it basically means I've got to say no to a lot of things to actually make stuff happen, which I'm getting used to doing now. So hopefully this year I'll have a few more exhibitions. I have a few planned as well. But, um, and as well, because I'm not attached to a gallery, uh, they've all been like pop-up kind of things um, that are self funded and self-organized so there's a lot of kind of things in terms of just finding a space and logistical stuff that I usually just paint the paintings and just wait until the right opportunity kind of pops up mm -hmm. that's the way I've done in the past but I think in the future I'd like to just have bigger exhibitions in bigger spaces um, and take them on tour I think it's a cool idea to just show the same thing in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane or whatever rather than just being limited to, you know, a week in one spot. Mm. It doesn't make sense to me to yeah. just do that. Like if you've, if you've made this body of work and you want people to see it, why not take it to different places so more people can see it? I 100% agree with you. Yeah, I haven't thought about that much because I've been yeah. focused on, you know, <clears throat> you hang the work and you want to sell it and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But uh makes a lot of sense because if most people are just seeing it on their phones the painting's only ever the size of your phone screen oh yeah man you know? the the difference between a painting in the real life and and seeing it on a screen is huge yeah I, like i learned that for the first, i went to a when i was a kid i was obsessed with howard arkley mm -hmm. just because it was the closest thing i could find to a graffiti aesthetic when i was in high school that i was allowed to study and look at and i owned a bunch of books with his works and i'd looked at them all a hundred times before and written essays on them in high school and then he had a retrospective show at the Art Gallery in New South Wales that I went to see. And like the difference with the scale and the like luminosity of the colours that he used, I don't know what pigments he used, but they're just insane when you see them in the flesh and so much different to just seeing them on a screen, hmm. I think. The thing that blew me away with was how straight his lines were. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing just blew me away. I was like, because yeah. they're massive. I know. All those yeah. chairs and stuff that you see, and you see them in a book, they look like they're big paintings, but until you see them in the flesh, you don't realise how fucking massive they are. Yeah. But I think, yeah, you put a lot of work into a show. You know, bands, they tour. Why can't an artist tour? Mm. Well, that's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be hard to tee it up. Like, maybe it's not... Galleries aren't that into it, or... Yeah, I, I never know. exhibit in I'm galleries from, anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah like, I think it's more like I need to get a bit of a team together of people and I need to be able to pay those people to organise things for me because I, I just mm. can't do it all on my own. Yeah. You're talking about like gallery representation <clears throat> before. Like what, like do you think that that model is uh, is on its way out in the art world or? Well, I don't know. Like it's hard for me to really comment on things because I'm not involved in, you know, mm. I haven't really shown in any commercial galleries, so my knowledge on it is pretty limited. I just know what I hear from other artists and the limited kind of interactions I've had with galleries. Um, but I think, I, I don't know, um, for me, it's working how it's working. I don't mm. have to pay a commission to anyone. The way I look at it is, you know, rather than giving 50% to a gallerist, or well, if I am going to give 50% to a gallerist, they need to work for that 50% and give me some value in return. I think mm. some of the interactions I've had is, and some of the stories I hear from other artists is they sell 75% of the works that sell, but they're still giving away 50% of yeah. the money and they're paying for their studio space, they're paying for all the materials, they're paying for all the framing and the stretching and mm. they have a social media presence that's times 10 of the gallery so it doesn't make sense to me mm. to do something like that yeah i get it because the gallery's got their overheads as well but yeah, all, yeah but they've also got the the clients that will you know they might they might spend 10 grand on a painting yeah know? yeah yeah. whereas a lot of us artists we don't know many people like yeah that. well that's yeah. because they've been building that for years yeah. they've been building that clientele and i think if you're not like i'm not in a hurry i'm going to be making art until i'm old and gray so mm. i can i feel like i can build that as well like if, yeah. if the right like i'm not anti-galleries per se it's yeah. just for me this is what's working now and if a different kind of opportunity presents itself i'm happy to like look at it and take it on board but mm. um for me now everything seems to be working you know the the work sells and and instead of me giving 50 percent to someone else i can re I reinvest that 50% into me, you know, I mm. can use social media ads or I can use it to market my own work, you know, 50% mm. of a $2,000 painting is a fuckload of Facebook ads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you can't find a buyer with a thousand bucks worth of Facebook ads, then 
You know what I mean? So that that's kind of the way I look at it. I'd rather invest that money back into myself if I can, if the opportunity doesn't sound right, mm. than just to give it to someone else. Yeah. You seem to be pretty onto it with the, uh, the social media thing. Is that is like... Is that how you uh, support yourself as an artist, like um, through people uh, uh, contacting you online and yeah. buy, buying into the art you produce? Yeah, like I have a mailing list and I try to encourage people to sign up to it just because, mm. you know, Instagram could disappear next week mm. for whatever reason and then you've lost all your capital in terms of like having a career. So the more people that sign up to my mailing list, you know, I give them special deals that I don't give to the general public in terms of sales and like they get a head start on print releases and things like that um, to try and build that. Um, but yeah, social media is huge. I think it's huge if you're not using social media a lot and you're trying to be an artist, you're really hamstringing yourself a little bit, I think. Yeah. You yeah, would be, yeah, unless you want to be at the behest of someone else or mm. I don't know how you, how you do it without it really. Yeah. Do you find you spend a lot of time on social media though? Yeah, too much. Way yeah. too much. It's fucked actually. Yeah. I've actually, this week I put all my like social media apps in like another little folder that's on the last page of my phone that says dumb cunt. So <laughs> it's just a little warning just not to look at it. It's hard mm. to find and it's worked actually. I'm not looking at it as mm. much. Because when you see that little Instagram logo and it's got little red things, mm. you know, like three messages... You're just going to look at it every single time. Yeah. Just hide it away a bit. My wife and I have both put ours on the last page now. So you have to... Because sometimes you you go, oh, I'll just add something up on the calculator on the phone. And half an hour later, you realize you're still on Instagram. And it's it's just because it's opened up there. So now it's like you've got to scroll through a couple of pages. And in that time of scrolling, like swiping through... You catch yourself and go, yeah, yeah. where am I going? What am I looking? Oh, mate, I was close. If that was on the front page, yeah, 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 yeah. gone by Well, now. it's almost become part yeah. of my process now that I like paint for, you know, half an hour or something. And mm. then I sit down, look at Instagram and look at the painting and like make the next decision. But it's like so ingrained in me that it's almost part of my creative process is looking at fucking Instagram, which is so stupid. Mm. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I know, I've. I've cut it out a lot over the years. Yeah. I like it. There was a time there I was a bit, I don't know, just to, you just, I think the more you look at it, the more addictive it gets. Yeah. Because I find if I'm really bored, say I'm like, you know, traveling <clears throat> and I'm catching bus, train and plane or something like that. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, because I've been on social media a lot or just on my phone a lot in that process. I get I get addicted. I get like itchy. Like, yeah, I yeah, that's what you're check like. my phone. It's like, hang on, why is this happening now? It's it's because oh, I've spent the last couple of hours on it, and it's yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think it's too new that we we haven't worked out what it's actually doing to us yet. But um, yeah, yeah it's something be good. It's something it? highly addictive in there. Yeah, I think in yeah. like twenty years, all these kids that have grown up with social media, there'll be some weird stuff that we figure out. They're all going to be weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't social, can't talk to you face to face, kind of thing. Yeah, I remember the same thing was happening with like the rave culture in the nineties. Yeah, like you know, like ecstasy and all that. Just hit Everyone the market. Ra- yeah. Everyone's like, "What's this shit gonna do in the future?" Everyone <laughs> gets like- older, <laughs> gets older, and they're just running fucking real low on serotonin. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it's, I think it's uh, healthy to sort of keep it at bay. And I think that, yeah. like, that last page thing's been a game changer. Yeah, so, even if I could just like limit it. 20% or something I think yeah. that would be super productive for me because yeah. I find I'm not that interested in it really yeah like I post stuff and then just let it go and yeah. I don't check comments much I'm not I'm not really that well, like, I just, if I if I if I give it an hour of my time yeah that's it like I'll be hooked for the next three days or something yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I do use it a lot in terms of finding the line because mm-hmm. like with the political work, there is an imaginary line where you can go too far with stuff. And mm. I've, I sometimes I've crossed that line a little bit. And from the response on social media, and that's how I can kind of see roughly where that line is. You mm. know what I mean? Where you, instead of engaging with people, you're just turning them off. Mm. So, yeah, I want to get as close to that line as I can without crossing it. And I think social media and Instagram and stuff is a good tool for me to kind of mm. figure out where that line is yeah. in relation to things. And especially... Like, I got Twitter recently, and I don't really like it very much, to be honest, but it is interesting kind of reading through comments and getting a gauge of the conversation around kind of political stuff and things. Mm. Yeah, I know. I've never been into Twitter. Too wordy for me. I yeah, see. too wordy for me as well, but yeah. it's just kind of... I kind of just look at it. 
I, I go to it to look at things rather than to post anything because I don't have anything to fucking say. I paint pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good for pictures. Yeah. All right, Scott, you ready for some uh, rapid-fire questions? Yep. I was born ready, mate. Good to hear. <laughs> uh, name one artist who you think deserves more shine. Uh, I'd say Treasy from Brisbane. Yeah. He's a um, super talented artist. Always is, you know, he used to paint a lot of graffiti and he was kind of one of the first guys, I think, doing political and social messages on trains and doing them really well as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he deserves a lot more shine. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was painting, I was painting with him like, fuck, 10 or 15 years ago and we are painting this yard in Brisbane. And um, I turned around and he was painting a giant piece of broccoli. <laughs> and it said, eat organic. <laughs> I was like, that's the least like graffiti thing. Like if you did that in Sydney, someone would probably stab you. <laughs> um, what's one medium you'd love to work with? Um, actually, airbrush. And I see you've got a lot of airbrush in here, so I'll probably hit you up for a tutorial after this. Yeah, let's 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 paint. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also engraving. I really want to. I've got all these old train doors. Yeah. When they trashed a lot of the trains in Sydney that I took, and I really want to engrave into them. Yep. Cool. So, yeah. All right. Um, what's one skill you wish you had? Uh, once I wish I had some sort of organizational skills. Like I have the worst memory. It seems like it can organise things, I guess, from the outside, but I really struggle. Hmm. Uh, who are some of your uh, favourite artists? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say because I've gone through so many stages and they change all the time. Like um, Howard Arkley is someone who I love. Um, Henri Dormier, who's like a French political artist from way, way back, who did satirical cartoons and stuff like that. Um, I loved his work in high school. Um, but I just liked it aesthetically and then years later I start painting political work and then he came back to my attention and it was only then that I realised everything he was painting was hyper-political which I thought was really weird that maybe that subconsciously kind of rubbed off on me somehow <laughs> yeah but and as well graffiti writers like scene and like the typical kind of guys yeah I find as you go through your art career though your um, influences change you know yeah, your yeah, favourites yeah. change and then uh but I, I know one thing I, I've probably said on here a few times. But one thing I did uh, when I was first uh, starting out in art, when I was trying to just stop drawing graffiti every time I put pen to paper, yeah, was I made a um, a folder full of all my favourite artists, yeah, and like I found that not long ago, and it's like yeah, I can see their styles all seeping into my art, and yeah. Now it's twenty twenty. I've uh, I'm starting it again. I'm doing a twenty twenty version of that. Oh, to cool. see what the yeah, next yeah. phase is and like there's so it's many more yeah there's so many new artists on my radar and yeah like what am i what am i into now because i look at the other stuff and it looks a bit dated to me now you know? yeah, yeah yeah or it's like or or maybe they're a bit too um a bit too common or yeah you know they're, they're everyone's favorites of course you know what i mean or yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah 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 no, i get it for sure yeah um what advice would you give your younger self um I don't know. I think everything's gone pretty well, you know. Mm. I've gotten in trouble for stupid things before, and but you learn from all your mistakes. Um, I guess that would be it. Learn from your mistakes. I think that's the most important thing, and be reflective, you know. Look at yourself a fair bit. Mm. It's the only way you kind of improve what you're doing and improve as a as a human in general. Yeah. 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 Because I've thought back to, like, um, you know, when you're laying in bed going, oh, man, if I could just go back and change that one moment in time sort of thing. Mm. And I thought, oh, hang on, but if I change that, would that like throw off everything and then I wouldn't be where I am right now? It's like, eh, yeah, you yeah, exactly. live with it, eh? Yeah, there's so. nothing that I'd like super regret. Yeah. I think, yeah, as long as you kind of, if you do something stupid, just take some time to look back at it and go, fuck, what a dickhead, and yeah. don't do it again. Yeah, exactly. Or change. Yeah, and you know, if those things are coming back up, it's just like, oh, we know what this is like. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going there again. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Has your, has your career been uh, smooth sailing? Um, I don't know. It depends what you mean in terms of smooth sailing. I guess financially, no, not so much. Now mm. it's like okay, but mm. there was times when I was like, dest I'd thrown everything in to pursue art, basically, mm. and you know, six months into that, I was destitute, broke. Everything was maxed out. Everything was overdrawn, um, and I was thinking, fuck, I'm not going to be able to do this art thing. I was pretty shattered about it, um, and then things fell into place. Actually, that's. I was super broke when that Kanye thing happened. That was the impetus to get the ball rolling, I think, for me. So Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've had a few false starts 
when I was going with the art career as well. Yeah. Like I tried, like I, I quit my job, I had some savings and I thought this is it, I'm going to be an artist. Yeah. And twice like ended up back sitting, oh, really? sitting at a desk in an office going, oh, fuck. And, um, but this last, like the last time I tried, yeah, I, like I, I was in Melbourne and I know I found it was much easier and it worked out, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in saying that, I spent the first year um, staring at a computer trying to work out how to make money and not painting. I made like like maybe 10 paintings a whole year. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing as well, especially for me. It's like hard to find the time to actually make work a lot yeah. of the time because I've got so much going on in terms of, you know, I've got a web store that has like merch and things like that on mm. it and managing all that and shipping and everything else. So, yeah, I think the dream is just to have other people doing everything for you so all you do is make art yeah <laughs> you gotta to get to that that level i yeah. think do you have a, uh, a dream project you'd love to work on or oh, anything i'd love to get a train i don't know what the project is but just give me a fucking train and let it run in the system and i'll figure out the rest yeah <laughs> whether it's like have some sort of art festival on a moving train rather than just a gallery like a little exhibition in the back car maybe you could take over the whole whole wagon and mess with the outside as well that would be unreal but I, I can't see that happening in sydney anyway yeah or maybe you never know yeah you know what the future has in store yeah 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 um where are you wanting to take your art career uh i don't know really i'm pretty happy where i am now like i just want it to grow i guess mm. and keep going keep following the trend that it's trending at now which is like every year it gets kind of bigger and I get more opportunities and I get to do more cool stuff. And so if it keeps going in that direction, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah. 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 You seem like you're on a good trajectory. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all going pretty good at the moment. Um, I can't complain. That's for sure. Yeah. And do you have any uh, future plans or projects in the pipeline? Uh, I've got like a bunch of proposed exhibitions um, that are kind of concepty. Mm -hmm. They haven't really fallen into place yet, but they're all like, un, you know, figured out in my head. I've just got to create the works and find the spaces and organize them. Yeah. Um, I've got like a work, a show of political works, which I've just been accumulating over the years, which are like originals to the paste ups that I've been making, as well as like, you know, paintings about some of the other issues that I paint murals about or originals of murals and stuff like that. And it's just slowly been building. So that's something that I want to do eventually. I don't know whether I push it and try and do it now. Or I just let them, you know, organically continue to compile until it's massive. Yeah, it's good because a lot of people would, would be familiar with those pieces because they've seen them on the streets and everything. Yeah. And it's a chance for the, like, it makes it more iconic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, that's like, I've grappled with the idea of, you know, the first time I spoke with a commercial gallery, um, the, the advice was, uh, don't paint murals, we don't sell murals. Um, don't paint political work, it doesn't sell. Uh, keep painting flowers. And we take 70%. <laughs> so that's like part of the reason I've been a bit weird about calories. Yeah. Um, and I've pretty much done the opposite of that and it's all worked out. But I am, you know, if, if I can sell a 1.5 by 1.5 meter of Tony Abbott's head with cunt written on the forehead, um, I feel like I could sell anything. So <laughs> I'm just trying to grapple with how I can do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um... So if people want to find you online, where's the best place for them to find you? Um, I've got a website, www.scottmarsh.com.au. That's got my web store and like a bit of a catalogue of work and about and the usual stuff. Um, to stay up to date with stuff, Instagram's always your best bet, I think, for artists. I just post things as they come along. Um, and if you visit my website, join up to my mailing list because then you get sweet deals. Yeah. That's the easiest way to really stay in contact with what I'm doing, I guess. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and before you go, um, Iron Lack, I've got a $100 gift voucher for you. Yeah. Here we go and spend online. Thanks, boys. Beautiful. You know, that's <laughs> I think when we first met when we were at Iron Lack. Yeah, actually, we were, weren't we, in Brizzy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were doing something in that little gallery thing they have there. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, cool. Actually, that just jogged my memory. I didn't. I forgot about that. Yeah. I couldn't think of where we met. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, IMAC's been so good to me and so mm. good to, you know, Australian artists and graffiti writers forever, so. Yeah. Like, coming up before um, good spray paint and everything was available, like, 
don't know, to have something Australian based that you can turn to for support and even like price point and everything. It's oh, just, they've changed the game. Yeah. Like when I was young, it was like 14 bucks for a spray can, like yeah. of imported spray paint, something decent. Yeah. Now young guys hate on iron like sometimes and you're just like, mate, you don't know what it was like having a rack like die marks and dual arcs and mix them to fucking gather and do all this bullshit just so you could have a spray can that actually covered anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or pay 14 bucks where they just brought the price point down and, and made stuff for Australian graffiti writers. So, yeah. Yeah. Go on, like. Good on, good work, guys. Yeah, send me another voucher, boys. Yeah. That's a good plug. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Scotty. No workers, man. Okay. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bench Talk. To view images of the guest's artwork, follow us on Instagram at bench underscore talk or go to the website benchtalkpodcast.com. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode.